0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. When the Shoe Fits, published in Week in China, read for you by Sylvia Franca. There was a time that passengers couldn't walk through a major airport without passing a tie rack. At its peak, the British retailer had 450 branches in 31 countries. When it went public in London in 1987, it floated on a price-earnings ratio that was a record for a company of its type. Its IPO was 85 times oversubscribed, and investors queued in their thousands at the underwriter's office snaking around the Bank of England in a bid to get hold of the shares. The excitement around this purveyor of male sartorial items didn't last. Some blamed its eventual demise on politicians like Tony Blair and Barack Obama, who began to be seen more on television governing with an open collar. Others put it down to the work cultures of the new internet majors, which shunned the suited and booted look. Tyrac was bought out by its main Italian supplier in 1999 and eventually closed all its shops in 2013. China's biggest manufacturer of ladies' shoes was facing similar challenges when it was taken private in 2017. Some wondered if Bell's design range of high heels had any future. There were questions, too, over the sustainability of its retail network, including its sales efforts in department stores. Yet Bell managed to find a new investor, Hill House, a leading private equity firm, which led a buyout four years ago. And now the shoemaker is back in the spotlight, keen to demonstrate that it's a fashionable choice once more for shoppers and investors alike. What is Bell's latest offer to investors? A footwear retailer known as Bell Fashion filed a preliminary prospectus with Hong Kong's main Bourse last week. The French-sounding name might sound unfamiliar to younger investors, but the company first went public in Hong Kong as Bell International in May 2007. That $1.1 billion IPO was completed amid a heady bull market with Hong Kong's benchmark Hang Seng Index, HSI, hitting all-time highs a few months later, a record that was later surpassed in 2018. Similar to tyrax IPO three decades earlier, Bell's original share sale stirred massive investor interest. Its retail tranche was Five hundred times oversubscribed, and a then record amount of more than four hundred and thirty Hong Kong billion dollars billion of cash was frozen in the local financial system thanks to the share subscription process. In recognition of the huge market demand, Bell was later included in the HSI's blue chip family as its market value surpassed one hundred and fifty billion Hong Kong dollars. Its founder, Tang Yu, was feted as the king of shoes. At the time, Bell was a smash hit with investors because it was viewed as one of China's biggest consumer plays. But the rapid rise of e-commerce and the seismic changes in shopping behavior it occasioned jolted its prospects. After 13 dismal quarters of negative same-store sales growth, it was taken private in 2017 by a Hillhouse-led consortium, the deal valued the franchise at just 53 billion Hong Kong dollars, although that still ranks it as the biggest buyout of a Hong Kong blue chip. Analysts await details as to the timing of Bell's Fashions IPO. Yet the stock market return of the king of shoes is an intriguing prospect, according to financial portal Yema Finance. Unsurprisingly there is much speculation as to how Hill House is going to value the listing less than five years after taking the group private. What has changed for Bell Fashion's prospects? Prior to accepting the Hill House-led buyout, the group was operating two main business lines. Alongside its position as China's leading manufacturer, distributor, and retailer of footwear – It was also a major retail partner in China for international sportswear brands, most notably Nike and Adidas. Manned by nearly 112,000 employees, Bell was operating 20,716 directly managed outlets before it was bought out. Many of them were counters in department stores, as well as thousands of footwear shops and sportswear and apparel outlets. In the financial year ended February 2017, the retailer reported a net profit of 2.4 billion RMB, $350 million, from revenues of 41.7 billion RMB. In its new stock exchange filing, Bell Fashion still describes itself as the largest fashion footwear and apparel group in China, based on its 2020 retail sales. Yet it has obviously downsized. By last November, it operated 9,153 outlets of its own, less than half of the footprint it reported five years ago. Sales for the financial year ending in February amounted to 21.7 billion RMB, but net profit was 2.6 billion RMB. This suggests that after five years under Hill House's stewardship, Bell is making a much higher profit margin, but on a far lower sales than it made five years ago. The transformation stems partly from the group's aggressive investment in e-commerce and social media platforms. For instance, it now runs an in-house live streaming team where 150 executives have incubated more than 120 influencers who drive sales online. Footwear sales made online have increased to 25% of total sales from less than 7% five years ago. Bell has also reconfigured its bricks-and-mortar store network by switching its focus back to shopping malls. As a result, revenue contribution from counters and department stores dropped to below 45% from more than 70% prior to its delisting. Also importantly, Bell Fashion now no longer owns a sportswear and apparel business. Instead, this was spun off as an independent company called Top Sports. Hill House is now the biggest shareholder of both firms, which are being run independently, although there are still connected transactions between them in areas such as e-commerce services, property leasing, and logistics. Top Sports went public in Hong Kong in October 2019, in a sale that valued the sportswear retailer at about 52 billion Hong Kong dollars or roughly the same as Hill House's buyout price for the entire group, two years earlier. Reuters' Breaking Views noted at the time that private equity investors in the earlier buyout had likely more than doubled their investment, on paper at least. But how much profit the likes of Hill House would end up with, Breaking Views added, was going to depend on the valuation of the other half of Bell, i.e. the ladies' footwear division owned by Bell Fashion. TESTING TIMES FOR TOP SPORTS AND ITS SISTER FIRM In many ways, Top Sports is one of the most important partners for Nike and Adidas in the China market. With their partnership with Bell and Top Sports, the duo don't need to run huge retail networks of their own or shoulder the same levels of inventory risk. Nike and Adidas don't commit the same capital to making their own products either, as their manufacturing has largely been outsourced to firms such as Yuyuan, sometimes nicknamed the Foxconn of sneakers. Top Sports was worth nearly 83 billion Hong Kong dollars in March last year, ahead of the so-called Xinjiang Cotton incident, more on this later, although its value has dropped dramatically to less than 40 billion Hong Kong dollars as of late. The decline was accelerated by a 25% fall in the wider Hong Kong share market, but also because of new challenges posed by local rivals to its partners Nike and Adidas in China. The international duo have been best sellers in China for decades, helped by brisk sportswear turnover via a retail network provided by Top Sports and Bell. In other words, Bell's earlier commercial success, prior to its first Hong Kong IPO, were also a factor in why local sportswear brands such as Anta and Li Ning had struggled to topple Nike and Adidas, their global peers, in their local market. For Li Ning, things reached such a nadir in 2012 that China's best-known domestic sportswear brand needed to bring in funds from American private equity firm TPG to survive a liquidity crisis. Its share price has jumped more than 10 times since then, and by as much as 20 times when its market value soared to a record 275 billion Hong Kong dollars in September last year. Partly, the turnaround has been driven by savvier use of Internet sales channels, a distribution avenue that Bell had struggled to match before Hillhouse took over. Brands like Li Ning have also remedied their former failings in areas like inventory management, drawing on new skills in a digitalized and more flexible supply chain. Even more importantly, Li Ning's resurgence is a direct consequence of Guo Chao, a concept which can be translated as national fashion or national hip, says Jie an online news platform. The trend refers to a growing preference from consumers for goods said to be infused with elements from their own culture. Domestic firms have also honed their marketing skills to redefine local brands, successfully positioning many of them as just as desirable as their foreign counterparts. It means that younger Chinese shoppers now often consider a pair of Ning trainers as just as fashionable as a similar offering from Nike or Adidas. The same change in mindset has seen Chinese consumers punish foreign firms, thought to be critical of their government or national culture. Formerly dominant in their categories, international brands face huge and growing risks of being called out for transgressions against China and being targeted for boycotts. See Week in China 434 on Dolce & Gabbana's costly marketing blunder, for instance. That's why Jiamian, believes that the Xinjiang cotton incident last year, which saw many global brands speak out against alleged use of forced labor in Xinjiang, was another watershed moment for China's sportswear industry. As Chinese consumers vented their anger by refusing to buy the likes of Nike and Adidas, local brands, primarily Anta and Li Ning, tapped into the outrage by publishing statements in loud support of using cotton from Xinjiang. According to Euromonitor, Nike was still the leading sportswear retailer in China last year with a 25.2% market share. But Anta, 16.2%, had overtaken Adidas, 14.8%, and moved into second place, while Li Ning was closing the gap on the German giant in fourth place with an 8.2% share. Last month, ANTA reported 49.3 billion RMB in revenues in 2021, second again to Nike's Chinese division, 51 billion RMB, but way ahead of Adidas China's 34.3 billion RMB. Sales of ANTA-branded products had surged by more than half. If ANTA, which sponsors various Chinese national teams and athletes, including winter sports superstar Gu Ailing, can pull off similar growth this year, it will dethrone Nike as China's leading sportswear brand, says Jiemian. With its long-term partnership with Nike and Adidas, top sports share price has notably moved in the opposite direction to that of the patriotic Anta, plunging, for instance, nearly 15% in a single session in March last year as tensions flared over the issue of Xinjiang cotton. Its sister firm could also be affected if similar controversies erupt after its return to the Hong Kong bourse. Indeed, Bell Fashion warned in its listing document that its business was at risk of a worsening relationship between the United States and China, given that Chinese consumers might have hostile sentiment against or even boycott U.S.-branded products in general. High heels and high risks as Bell battles on? Bell's leading labels include Bell, Staccato, and Joy and Peace. None of them sound much like national brands. Yet, in terms of China's total retail sales of women's fashion footwear, Bell says it still commanded an 11.9% market share in 2020 by value. Each of its next four arrivals had market shares of less than 5%, the prospectus said. For Bell's relisting to be successful, it needs to prove that it can tap into the changing tastes of Chinese women and cement its position as the market leader. This is no easy feat. Plenty of other female footwear firms have struggled to stay ahead in recent years. ST and SAT, a rival on the Shenzhen exchange, warned in January that its net loss for last year could top 645 million RMB. Hong Kong-listed Daphne, which also focuses on sales of high-heeled shoes, has scaled down its retail network dramatically from a peak of 7,000 stores to about 400. China News Weekly went so far as to suggest in January that Chinese women are giving up on high heels as changes in society reduce the need to focus on this type of footwear as a means to get ahead. Such shoes may be associated with the catwalks of Paris and Milan, but for many women, stilettos are exceptionally uncomfortable. According to China News Weekly, newer priorities among female consumers favor brands that promote other values, such as independence and health. Another factor, the state-run magazine claimed, was that Chinese women aged between 18 and 44 have gained an average 0.8 millimeters in height, over the last five years, perhaps also favoring easier-to-wear shoes known in fashion parlance as flats. Height aside, there's another trend that's hard to ignore, COVID. Similar to Tyrak and the cultural changes that gradually strangulated its core offering, the lasting legacy of the pandemic is likely to be greater numbers of Chinese working from home, partially or even full-time. As you may have noticed, nobody sees what kinds of shoes you are wearing on a Zoom call, diminishing the allure of wearing pricier stilettos.